Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast, where you can learn everything you need to know about sustainable and ESG investing from leaders in the field. My name is Paul Ellis, and I'm your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. Americans have $1 trillion invested in employer-sponsored retirement plans, yet many people making payroll deduction contributions to these plans are not aware of the sustainable and ESG-focused investment options available to them. Michael Rim is working to solve this problem as the principal at PRM Consulting Group and the lead author of the Intentional Endowment Network's Guide to Sustainable Retirements. He has more than 30 years' experience as the practice leader for defined contribution retirement plans at PRM and is a regular contributor and advisor to the Intentional Endowment Network Sustainable Retirement Initiative. Hello, Michael, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Thank you very much for having me, and uh, it's good to see you. Good to be here. Yes, glad we could get together today. Uh, Michael, Let's start with what was the reason for establishing a guide to sustainable retirement for the Intentional Endowment Network? And let's begin by telling our listeners what institutions belong to IEM. Great. Uh, thanks, Paul. And, and I'll, I'll begin with the, uh, the last part of your question first. Uh, there are various organizations part of the network uh, as members of IEM. They focus mostly on higher education institutions, um, but there are also not other nonprofit organizations in the network. There are financial advisors, uh, there are foundations, uh, endowments. Uh, so it's a really good mix of organizations that really are aligned with IEN's mission of really creating sustainable investments on a long-term basis. So the members may include anywhere from the Ford Foundation to uh, San Francisco State University to Virginia Commonwealth, or Virginia Wesleyan University, et cetera, uh, all the way down to organizations that are nonprofits such as World Wildlife Fund and other nonprofits like that, and companies like BlackRock, TIA, Nuveen, et cetera. So you've got a, a, a big cross-section in the university network, nonprofits, uh, like you said, uh, for-profit investment um, uh, managers uh, uh, and foundations. Uh, so let's, let's talk about uh, why you established this guide so all right. those people can tap into its uh, expertise. Exactly. And the guide, it's interesting. Part of the work I do as a consultant, I'm hired by clients mostly to evaluate investment advisors and record keeper companies for their retirement plans, whether it's a 401k, 403b, 457. So one of the things we do is we work with the clients to help them provide these retirement arrangements. And one of the things over the past few years that has been missing is really retirement plans focusing on ESG type funds in their investment lineup. And so what's been really, it's, it's timing is everything is because in the last year or two, as I've been working with clients, it's come up more and more in looking at ESG funds and whether or not they can have investment advisor plans, investment advisors 
work with the plan to help them find ESG type funds. So the IEN network approached me. They were looking at other companies like Mercer and other larger organizations, but they've heard of the work that we were doing here at PRM and said, hey, we'd like to talk with you about creating this module guide to help uh, institutions, mostly higher education institutions, evaluate how they can create ESG funds in their retirement, on their retirement platform. And so since they knew I was doing some work already with institutions and also doing a lot of work evaluating investment advisor uh, uh, advisors, they figured it would be a good match to have me work, help them put this guide together. That's great. So let's talk about since the guide was established, and I believe it was, remind me when it was published, Michael. It was uh, uh, actually it was October of 2021. Okay, so since that time, uh, was a little over six months actually. What kind of uptake and what kind of changes are you seeing in the way that institutions that are part of IEN are um, using the guide and its uh, its its guidelines? Right. Well, it's been amazing in that a lot of of information has been presented uh, in the field on ESGs. Uh, you see there are articles every other day, plan sponsor, plan advisor, other organizations that are putting out information on the importance of ESGs. A lot of survey studies have been coming out. And now that, and a lot of these things, this information has been out there, but it's been heightened now, especially since the Biden administration has provided guidance to really say, ESG funds and retirement plans are things you really should consider. And since the communication has come out about that, we've been seeing a lot of information presented by all types of organizations. In terms of some of the groups I work with, we're seeing uh, colleges and universities, universities specifically inquire because they've been using ESG type funds in their endowments and foundations, but not on the retirement side. And so now that they're seeing a lot of, of information in the media, they're coming to us saying, hey, should we be looking at this now? So they then look at the guide and say, well, the guide really provides great modules for us to, to consider adding these ESG funds. So we're seeing universities inquire more. We're seeing the mainstream more. And one of the last points I'll make is that uh, one of the things I saw just recently is Plan Sponsor Magazine, Plan Sponsor, excuse me, has an annual conference and their conference is coming up in June. They have four sessions related to ESGs at their annual conference. I don't think that's ever been done before. So it's really becoming popular in the mainstream now. That's terrific. I'm really glad to hear that the conferences are starting to integrate it, integrate it more fully. Now, given your background of evaluating investment advisory firms for consulting clients, what recommendations do you have for our advisor audience on how they can jumpstart the use of ESG funds in retirement plans within their own client base? Uh, they may not be the advisor to the retirement plan necessarily, but how can they get more momentum going for their clients to participate with ESG strategies? Great, great question, Paul. And I, I think it really comes down to advisor firms doing a lot of their homework up front and understanding that 
more and more institutions are really looking to add ESG funds. Uh, there was a survey that came out recently that looked at employees that are being hired, being asked the question of, if you had sustainable funds in your investment platform for your retirement plan, would you invest? And over 70% of the participants said, yes, uh, I would really invest in this. So as an advisor, it's really critical at this point to be very proactive in making sure they're doing their homework and work in working with the institutions, finding out if this is something that their staff is really looking for, also doing the work on why it may be important. But one of the key elements, and this is one of the things we talk about in the uh, mo- in the, the mo- one of the modules, is what comes up a lot is okay. This is my retirement plan. I need performance. Okay, I need to make sure the, uh, being socially responsible is great. Being having a, a, a Focus on the environment is great. Um, Having governance issues is great, but I need money in my retirement plan. How can I be assured that this ESG fund is going to provide good performance? And we talk about performance a lot in our module and historically how well it's done and the fact that you can have competitive performance in an ESG fund that compares with any type of other fund that's out there. So it's really up to the advisors to make that case to do their homework, to understand which funds are available, which funds are large, who focuses on carbon, who focuses on energy. So it's really the the investment advisor doing that, being proactive with the plan sponsor, coming in saying, hey, this is something you might want to consider, and also having some additional background data as it relates to what employees may be looking for. Thank you so much, Michael. And by the way, I, I would really like to have a link to that survey that you mentioned in your uh, at the beginning of this answer, uh, where that that seventy percent of people interviewed were or surveyed said that they were interested in ESG investment opportunities within their retirement plan. That's a huge number that, uh, you know, no advisor can ignore. And, you know, I I also wanted to just, uh, I was thinking while you were speaking about my time as a board member for a local community college foundation where I was really one of three people maybe on a 20-person board who was pushing for ESG investment strategies to be integrated, and this was maybe 10 years ago. So a lot has changed uh, in the last decade, especially in the last few years. There's tremendous momentum in this direction, and it's great that you and other professionals um, uh, working with IEN are doing this kind of work and helping to to categorize it and institutionalize it. So mm-hmm. no, no um, it's a, it's it's great. Great great work to do. And one point I'll also add uh Paul uh-huh. when we talk about employees, one of the things that we've seen mistakes happen is when investment advisors work with an institution to add a new fund, whatever any fund that's out there. One of the areas where it becomes problematic is the communication to employees are, are not as comprehensive as they could be. And with if, if an advisor is working with an institution to add an ESG fund, they really should make sure that the communication is very clear. They should not make it any different than anything else. But sometimes employees need to know that, okay, it's more than just saying you have an ESG fund. It's here's a fund that's available. Here's the description of it. So even though that's 70% more, and I'll definitely get you that link, um, talk about they like to have it. 
they also want to be educated on it too. So they understand what it is. And so and they understand prior performance doesn't mean it's going to be the future performance, but they understand that prior performance is good. So there's, there's a lot that goes into uh, having a fund, whether it's an ESG fund or any new fund on the investment platform, communication is key. I completely agree with you. In my 23 years as an advisor, uh, what I what I learned uh, was that that's that is the relationship, uh, the communication uh, skills, and the and the and the 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 integration of information as as deeply as the client is willing to go with you about their financial goals and objectives is key to every advisory relationship. So. I want to ask you, and I'm not I'm not naming any names, of course, but could you give our listeners an example of the type of situation that you mentioned where you encounter or you work with an advisory firm that is just not quite there yet in the conversation with their clients? How do you help them get there? So you're right. I won't name names. Um, <laughs> One of the one of the things I've heard from some advisor firms is, yeah, you know, we have these fir- funds that are out there and people don't use them. And so what we work with, uh, with advisors on is, well, here's a strategy that you should utilize to help work with your client and their employees to, to educate them. So it's helping educate the advisors on how they can help educate the client and the staff on ESGs. But one of the key components here is ESG funds should be evaluated like any other fund on the platform. They should not be given any special treatment. So they should be evaluated. They need to meet the investment policy criteria that the organization has. So it has to be treated that way. But the the key here is making sure the advisor firm is working with the organization to educate them, to give them information on on funds. So if you just use a fund, for example, that focuses on social governance, it, what type of culture are they, what type of culture is this organization that they're working with, their client? So if it's a client that is, is, is one that's uh, really into social governance type of issues, then they could say, well, here's how we could work with you here because there are funds that are out there that focus on social governance that you can put in a retirement plan. So it's really an education process through the advisor, as well as the advisor, through their clients being the plan sponsor, as well as the staff, um, and making sure that the record keeper they're working with have the appropriate amount of or type of funds on the investment platform. That's another one. It has to be on the platform of the record keeper to make it available. If it's not, then it's the advisor firm now working with the record keeper to say, hey, there's a great carbon fund out there that you don't have, can you go add this to your, your platform? Uh, and it could be under company X, Y, or Z. And then it's working with them to see if it's a feasible fund to put on their platform. So there's a lot of different ways there to have the uh, conversations regarding the ESG funds. Michael, in your experience, are very large companies more likely to have more options available? Uh, or do they just see this as something that uh, is an HR function and they don't, uh, you know, the, the principals don't get involved in it? And are, are, do you come across firms, for example, that think they're too small to get into this conversation with the employees because they only have a few employees and they're not educated about it themselves? Yeah, no, great, great point. And, and, and yes, some of the smaller organizations 
for the, for the most part, they're like, okay, that's nice, not a big deal. But some of the smaller nonprofit organizations are paying attention. So if you have an organization that's focusing on um, public health, for example, and as an organization focused on public health, even though they may be small, they may have an interest of saying, okay, can we get a fund that is an ESG fund on our platform, even though we're small, but we have a, a, a great mission-centric type of, of vision? So that happens not as much for small organizations. Larger organizations, they, we are seeing it more because with larger organizations, we're actually seeing employees approach their uh, HR office saying, hey, do we have or can we have ESG funds? So the more employees you have, the more educated they may be about these uh, ESG funds, they're approaching the organizations to say, hey, can you do something about it? We actually have a module that helps a plan sponsor in that position that knows very little about it, uh, about ESGs to say, okay, here's what you can do, especially if you're approached uh, by an employee who may have an interest there. But we are seeing it more on the larger scale. Uh, just three weeks ago, I was working again, not named, uh, I won't name the higher education institution, where the CFO said, hey, Mike, um, I'm reading a lot about this ESG stuff. We have an investment advisor now. What should I do to, to get them to help us add an ESG fund to the lineup. And he said, because, you know, I have a, I'm here at my college and we have a big university. It's something we already do with our endowments, but we're not doing it on the 4-3-B side. Can you help me? He did not know, by the way, about this, uh, the guide I put together. So I said, oh, you opened the door for me. So I not, not only did I comment, give him some information, I also get him a copy of the guide. Uh, I had him download it so he can work his way through the different modules. So that's very interesting. In that particular case, you were approached by the institution to engage the advisor in a dialogue about finding some funds that they could integrate into their plan. Does it work the opposite direction? Is it sometimes that the, as you mentioned, the employees go to the plan sponsor, and as a result of that, the advisor gets involved in the in the conversation? Does it ever happen in your experience that the advisor initiates this whole process? And is that something that um, IEN can support advisors with? Yes, it, it does happen that way, uh, especially when we do what we do here at PRM is we do searches, due diligence searches. So an organization may have an advisor or they may not. But in our search process, we have we'll, we'll talk to the uh, our client up front and say, OK, you know, we're gonna, what type of firm are you interested in? And they may say we want a small firm, boutique firm, a large firm, advisor firm, whatever it is. They'll let us know. Then we'll also question them about. Well, what type of, you know, you have a lineup right now. Are you looking for ESG funds in the lineup? Are you looking for index funds in the lineup? Are you looking for targeted uh, um, target date funds that are uh, custom? So we'll ask those type of questions. And they may say, we know nothing about ESG funds. We'll say, fine, let's make, we'll put some questions in the RFP and we'll let the advisor firms tell us their experience as it relates to ESG funds based on what they've done with other clients and what they can recommend and the research they have. So we've been doing more work in that area with the RFPs by placing questions in, in the RFP and working with our 
uh, clients to make sure that's something they're interested in. Great. Well, Michael, we're just about out of time today, but I want our listeners to know that you will be a speaker uh, for the RIA channel ESG Practice Playbook, which I will be teaching with my friend Jeff Gitterman uh, next month. And you're going to, Jeff is going to have a conversation with you, probably broader and longer than we've just uh, focused here. But uh, we would like our listeners to know that they can hear more from you during that course, which will go live on May 13th and May 23rd through the RIA channel. And we'll, we'll connect the, the, the website for that uh, course to this program. Michael, where online can our advisor and investor audience learn more about the IEN uh, and how can they get in touch with you and PRM about topics that we've discussed in today's program? Sure. So for the IEN, um, their, their, net, their, uh, um, their website is uh, www.intentionalendowments.org, intentionalendowments.org. Once you go to the website, there's a, a section on there for resource library. You click on resource library, then there's a, there's a lot of information there. The resource library, then you click on retirement resources. Once you click on retirement resources, you will find the guide to sustainable retirements. That's the uh, guide that we created. Uh, and so it can be found there. It's intentionalendowments.org, resource library, retirement resources, and then once you're there, it's the Guide to Retainable Retirements. You can download it. It's free. For, for us, if, to get in touch with me, uh, it's our website is uh, prmconsulting.org, prmconsulting.org. Uh, the phone number is, uh, my. I'm a principal with the firm. Uh, the phone number is 301-642-3203. And uh, everything is on the website. There's all kinds of other things there for, for contacting PRM and um, be glad to, to talk with anybody interested in learning more and really looking forward to the RIA channel uh, discussion that we're going to have next month. That's, uh, this has been great. And that will also, I'm sure, will be great, too. Well, thank you very much, Michael Rim, principal at PRM Consulting Group and the lead author of the IEN Guide to Sustainable Retirements. And for our listeners, please join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis, and this is the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Mm-hmm.